Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, June 11th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film writers, Wai Chai Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Vangelista. Hi. All right, let's jump right into the news today. Uh, let's dive into the deep end, HT. Tell me about ha, the... Ha. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. You jumped ahead of that on laughing to at your pun. Continue. <laughs> well, tell me about the uh, the latest Aquaman news that we've heard about this this new movie from James Wan. Yes. Anyways, what I was doing was laughing at the deep end pun, which I realized <laughs> only was funny after you mentioned it was Aquaman. <laughs> anyways, Aquaman 2 has a title. It's called Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And uh, this is what it could refer to. So uh, as we know, in Aquaman, uh, there were seven kingdoms total, although there are only six mentioned in the film itself. And there's a seventh lost kingdom of which the the sequel will cover. And we learned this from James Wan's uh, Instagram photo, which he posted a picture of the production meeting for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Um, the film is currently is now entering production and uh, there was a report a couple weeks ago from Production Weekly that the film would be going under the working title Necris, which is actually the name of a domed underwater city in DC Comics, uh, which only exists on the material plane for brief periods of time and contains a militaristic people ruled over by the tyrant king Mongo. So if we're going to go into what this mysterious seventh unnamed Lost Kingdom could be, the possibility that this is Necris and that this is uh, the city that you'll either be found or go to war with Atlantis um, in the follow-up to Aquaman. Um, and if you guys want to know what the other kingdoms were, there was Atlantis, Zebel, the Kingdom of the Fishermen, the Kingdom of the Brine, the Kingdom of the Trench, and the Kingdom of the Deserters. Okay, yeah, I definitely needed that refresher because I didn't remember any of them except for the trench, uh, no, which was supposed to. The fish people and the crab I, people. 
I've only I only saw Aquaman that one time uh, in theaters back in what was that 2018 or something. Yes. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit now. Um, Chris, I want to go to you. You're like maybe the biggest Aquaman fan that I know. You're always uh, sort of standing up for for that movie and singing its praises. What do you think about this title and this new information? Uh, yeah, I'm all in on Aquaman 2. What is it? The Lost Kingdom? What is it? I already forget Aquaman what it's called. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And the Lost Kingdom. Whatever it's called, I'm seeing it. I love... <laughs> I, I, I'm excited for this movie that I don't know the name of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I never cared about Aquaman as a character, but I love the Aquaman movie just because it's so, it's very silly and it knows it's silly. It's like the, a breath of fresh air for the DCEU, which when this came out, the DCEU was still like... This is a dark and serious thing for adults. And Aquaman is like, ah, the title card is spelled out in fish. And it's like, that's what I want. Give me just a big, silly, colorful movie. You know, whereas, you know, the, the other DCEU movies are dark and the color has been desaturated. Aquaman is just bright and uh, lively. And I, you know, I, I'm all in on whatever goofy world building James Wan <laughs> wants to do with this sequel. So, HT, what do you think about this? I, I know, I think you're also a fan of the first Aquaman, I right? I am a fan. I gave it a rave review when I saw it, and I predicted that Chris would like it, and I thought you would like it, too, because you're a fan of James Wan and um, also that kind of goofy storytelling, but uh, alas, I was wrong in that. But yeah, the octopus <laughs> are playing a bongo. It's fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for James Wan to be back in the director's seat. I think he had said previously that there's going to be a bit more of his horror sensibilities in Aquaman 2. So I don't know how that will play out, but I'm excited to see how it will. And I'm always a big fan of big mythology world building too. I like mythology stuff in general. So the idea of a lost kingdom is very tantalizing, very evocative. I like it. Cool. All right. So let's move to our next item here, which is uh, the return of a, a character that I personally thought that we would never see again, but um, is evidently happening and on the way again. Uh, Chris, tell me what's going on uh, in the world of Peacock. Ted, the movie about a bear that sounds exactly like Peter Griffin, is becoming uh, a TV show. Um yeah, Seth MacFarlane, who, who directed the two TED movies, which also starred Mark Wahlberg, is executive producing and in talks to lend his voice to the character again for a Peacock TV show, which has just got a straight to series order. So is there any information about like what is going to, you know, the, yeah. the plot or anybody else who's going to be involved or anything there, like that? Yeah, there's nothing right now. Like I, I very much doubt Mark Wahlberg is going to be in a Peacock show, but I guess you never know. Uh, but beyond that, we, we really don't know what it's about. You know, obviously it's going to be a sentient teddy bear who curses and drinks beer and everyone's <laughs> going to be like, see, that's comedy. And that that's, that's what the Ted show will be. And I guess there'll be a, human character because there needs to be and i don't know i don't really care ben can we just move on from this story <laughs> well i was just gonna i mean yes very soon we will chris i promise you uh i was just gonna ask you i mean you know uh the ted movies came out several years ago and comedy was just um in a very different place then so uh, are you um I can tell from your tone of voice that you're not like thrilled about the idea of watching this Ted show, which is totally fine. But are you um, are you surprised that a Ted show is coming out now? Or is this one of those things where like, well, it's it's based on a thing that people know. So it, I guess it was sort of inevitable. Yeah, that's where I am. I am. I'm at the point where it's like, well, no wonder they're doing this because, you know, there are no 
there's nothing new anymore, Ben. Everything mm. is, we need to reboot something or we need to keep something going, or we need to explain how something started. There's, you know, no one wants to create something new. And this is, uh, Ted is a, is a tested property. I didn't know this. When I wrote up the story, I learned that Ted is the highest grossing original comedy of all time. In other words, it's the, it's the biggest comedy ever. That's not, you know, based on something else or a sequel. Is that true? Really? Yes. Yes. So Ted is a hit. So, you know, that explains why someone somewhere was like, well, this made money once we need to keep this going. Wow. That is nuts. I remember stats like that being thrown around when the hangover was coming out, but I guess this did better than that. But man, that is, that is wild to think about. That more. It's so (laughs) weird. to be clear, that was in the official press release. So Peacock could be blatantly lying, but I feel like they would get in trouble if they were <laughs> yeah. if they lied like that blatantly. So I'm gonna yeah. take their word for it. Man. Okay. Well, I guess you you've set us up there, um, Chris, for for a transition into our next um story here, which uh, you know, you're talking about the the state of Hollywood and there being no original ideas anymore. Um HT, tell me about Mindy Kaling's Velma show. I think we've talked a little bit about like the existence of this show, maybe when it was first announced, but now we've learned a little bit more about it. Yeah, it was first announced back in, I think it was February, when HBO set a string of adult animated shows that was coming to HBO Max, uh, and one of which was Velma, which is an original 10-episode comedy series about the origins of Velma Dinkley, the unsung brains and leader of the Mystery Inc. gang. And um, this is a a series that we learned recently that uh, the series will have no dog, no van, and the character will be of East Asian descent. So this is going to be set uh, in a in a world where there's going to be no Shaggy, no Scooby-Doo, um, and the character will be voiced by Minnie Kaling and will be depicted as being of East Asian descent. So a couple of big dramatic changes from the character as has been traditionally depicted for the past 50 plus years. Uh, okay, so... Um... I mean, uh, I guess the answer to the question why has already been answered by what Chris was talking about at the, in the previous uh, subject, so we don't really have to go over that too much. But um, HG, I'm curious what you think about this, because you and I are both really, really big fans of Never Have I Ever, which is, a, I, I think, the most recent show that Mindy Kaling um, is, created. Yes. I thought you were going to say we're really big fans of Scooby-Doo. I was like, <laughs> I was not expecting you guys to share a Scooby-Doo love. We are uh, really big fans of Scooby-Doo. We're, we're big Scoob heads. All right, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so considering that HT, considering our, our fandom of this uh, this um, brand new original thing that that Mindy Kaling recently created, what do you think about her diving into this world? And what do you think about the the changes that are being made to um, the sacred Scooby Doo core text here? I mean, sure, why not? I don't really. I mean, I I like Scooby Doo. I've watched a fair. I watched it a fair few times as a kid growing up and the reruns of the classic animated series would show up and I've seen some of the films and various things. It's a classic. It's fun. Um, I think, yeah, being as old as it is, it's due for some makeovers and reimaginings every now and then. I don't actually mind it that much. I've even seen the live action movies and I was convinced for a long time that the first live action movie was better than it was, but then I watched it recently and it's not. (laughs) It's not that great. Um, But I don't, I don't you have any problem with this. I think it's kind of 
a given considering that this is a, an origin story to begin with. So of course it's going to be before she joins Mr. Ink and it's before she meets Scooby and Shaggy. And why can't she be depicted as East Asian? Um, there's Mindy Kaling is of Indian descent. And there's actually been a time when she, when Velma was depicted as by an Asian actress before um, she was portrayed by Haley Kiyoko who played Velma in the live-action made-for-TV movie Scooby-Doo, The Mystery Begins in 2009. So I oh, think this this is a property that is so, like, has been going on for so long and has been remade and reimagined so many times that I don't really have any issue with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let, I guess let's move to uh, our next story then, which is uh, a horror uh, franchise that is evidently being planned. Chris, tell me about this one. Yes, yeah, so uh, Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes, uh, they're a team of screenwriting brothers who wrote the first Conjuring movie, and they wrote they co-wrote The Conjuring 2 with a few other people. Uh, they're teaming up with Darren Lynn Boozman, who directed uh, almost all of the Saw films. Not all of them, but a fair amount, including the newest one, which was Spiral from the Book of Saw, to make a brand new horror franchise, which is inspired by the true story of the Lollary Mansion, which is in New Orleans. And um, uh, this has been fodder for horror before. And if you go to New Orleans, there there's like a million ghost tours in New Orleans, and they'll all take you to the outside of the Lollary Mansion. You can't go in it anymore. It's not like open to the public. And uh, a season of American Horror Story used it. And the story is um, that uh, back in uh, sometime in the like the late 1700s, actually it was probably the, the 1800s. Sorry, I don't have the actual date when this happened. But sometime in that era, uh, there was this woman, Delphine Lollary, who lived in the house. She was married to a doctor and the house caught fire. And when the neighbors rushed to help put out the fire, they discovered that uh, Delphine Lollary had been torturing and murdering her slaves. And she basically escaped from New Orleans before anyone could call her out on this. And she, you know, she was never, you know, tr put on trial or never reprimanded or anything like that for what she did. And uh, after that, the story sort of grew and grew and got embellished and uh, it, it's really kind of hard to decipher fact from fiction at this point. But basically, a lot of bad stuff happened in this house, which means everyone thinks it's haunted. And now they're turning this into a horror franchise. And uh, I'm sure, Ben, you're going to say, what do you think of this, Chris? So I'll, I'll cut you off right here. <laughs> yes. So, look, I love horror. I love historical horror. I love, you know, ghost tours. Uh, that said, I'm a little uneasy about this because as I mentioned, you know, the whole basis for the reason that this house is supposedly haunted and I don't think it is because I don't believe in ghosts, but that's another story. <laughs> um, you know, the, the whole basis for the story is, you know, the torture and murder of, of black slaves and the idea of building like a, a fun horror franchise around that basic, you know, trauma seems very questionable to me. You know, I'm not saying you can't make a movie about that. You know, you can. And if you, especially if you do it in a sensitive way, but it's clear they just want to make, you know, the next conjuring here, or the next saw or the next insidious. And I'm a little worried that it's going to be, I guess, tasteless for lack of a better mm. word. So I'm a little apprehensive about this. You know, I, I love horror. I love the conjuring. So I like Chad Hayes and Corey and Carrie Hayes, but I'm 
I'm not really sure how I feel about building an entire franchise based on, you know, literally like the blood of, of murdered slaves. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little uneasy about that. Yeah. So, so let's put the, uh, the content of this project aside, but, and for, a, for just a second and think about um, the way that this information is being presented where it's sort of like a, uh, like a super group in music, you know, like uh, the, the lead guitarist from this band and the, the front man from this band are coming together. You know, these people from the horror world of, uh, of, you know, horror movies are coming together to make it not just a movie, but a franchise. Isn't there something uh, like, are you hesitant at all about like them, um, I guess, calling their shot to such a degree here instead of just saying, all right, we're going to start with one movie. And then, you know, if it's good going for there, or is it sort of, um, you know, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, it's counting your chickens before your hatch. It's the, it's the, uh, the dark universe symptom all over again. <laughs> yeah. Like, when the first conjuring came out, no, like even if they were behind the scenes being like, we're going to make this a franchise. I don't remember anyone being like, ah, this is going to be a, you know, the start of, a, of an entire universe. And, you know, it eventually became that and it's been successful, but it's felt like that has been built up organically. It, you know, it wasn't like, let's make a franchise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to announce that right off the bat seems like, they're they're very much tempting fate because what if this first movie sucks and no yeah. one likes it? Then it's yeah. gonna be like, well, never mind. So you know, yeah, yeah. Even Marvel didn't uh, didn't announce that the MCU was going to be a thing. They just sort of snuck that first post credit scene into the the very end of the first Iron Man. Yeah, movie, exactly. So. Like I feel like no, like everyone wants to make uh, you know a shared universe now. Everyone wants a cinematic universe, but no one really understands that you need to sort of earn that like you know i'm not you know i'm not a i'm not an mcu fanboy but i feel like the mcu has earned their cinematic universe like they built it up organically and you can't just like jump in and be like ah here it comes because you're 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 setting yourself up for failure Mm -hmm. all right so our last uh news story here today involves uh, uh a marvel show actually uh the upcoming show uh, She-Hulk, which um, is about this character named Jennifer Walters, who is uh, Bruce Banner's cousin, uh, the cousin of the Hulk, and she gets a blood transfusion from her cousin and basically gains like Hulkish superpowers. But uh, whereas the the Hulk sort of ha- you know the, the Bruce Banner version has um, trouble controlling his temper and sort of hulks out and and uh, loses a lot of his um, <laughs> like mental capacity while he's in that state, uh, Jennifer Walters. Um, retains all of her intelligence and and most of her control while she's in this sort of Hulk mode. And uh, she's actually a lawyer in the the sort of Marvel universe, um, even as this She-Hulk iteration of the character. So Jamila Jamil, who uh, you might recognize from uh, the delightful NBC sitcom The Good Place, has been cast in this show, and she's going to be playing the uh, villain of the show. So Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black is going to be the lead character. She's going to be Jennifer Walters, the, the titular She-Hulk. But Jamila Jamil is going to be playing this character named uh, Titania. And uh, this character is a, a frequent rival of She-Hulks in the comics. Um, she was this sort of short, unpopular, embittered high school girl named uh, Mary McFerrin in the comics before she eventually came in contact with Dr. Doom and got superpowers from him and sort of became this like, um, you know, way taller, more muscular uh 
superhuman sort of um, physical feat. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we don't really know, you know, the extent of, of their backstory or any of that kind of stuff. This is sort of typical Marvel secrecy stuff. But um, Renee Elise Goldsberry from Hamilton, uh, Ginger Gonzaga from Kidding, Tim Roth, and Mark Ruffalo are all going to be in the show as well. So um, yeah, I just want to sort of like let people know in case you missed the, this news. Um, this is sort of exciting. Uh, Jamila Jamil was really, really great in The Good Place. That was where I sort of uh, became aware of her for the first time. Um, HC, Chris, any thoughts on this? I know, like I said, we don't have like too many details to go on here, but um, any just general feelings about Jamila Jamil or, uh, or She-Hulk? Yeah, it's hard to say how Jamila Jamil will... Uh act in this uh, show because The Good Place was, I think, her first acting role. She was a, a TV host presenter for the majority of her career, and uh, she's only just started to like enter into the acting industry properly after The Good Place. And she's talked about how The Good Place was kind of her acting workshop with Ted Danson, Kristen Bell helping her a lot. So I, yeah, it's hard for me to separate her from her the good place character because that's the only character I've ever seen her as and also the only character that she's probably I think ever played so uh yeah I'm basically what I'm saying is I don't know but I'm interested <laughs> awesome all right uh I think actually um Brad wrote a uh, an explainer piece about Titania this character that she's going to be playing and going in very extreme detail about uh the comics backstory and all that kind of stuff so if you're if you're uh, curious and interested about that I will link to Brad's piece in the show notes so you can check that out uh, all right, that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com, of course, and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week.